Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent, only a week away from Christmas. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife and had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes the calling that you place on our life takes us in wild directions that we couldn't have imagined. Sometimes it's a difficult past, but you're with us the whole way. Lord, help us in this life to learn to answer your calling and to play the part that you wrote for us. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, someone once said that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. We do make lots of plans for ourselves, but then life happens. We may not end up where we'd hoped to be. Psychologist Eric Erickson suggests that the final stage in life is defined by ego integrity versus despair. Ego integrity is a life that meant something. It's completeness. It's wholeness. It's coming to the end of our lives feeling good about what we've accomplished. Despair, on the other hand, is regret over failure to achieve goals or to contribute meaning to life. And Erickson argues that near the end of our lives, we're, we're torn in this argument between ego identity and despair. Which side will we come down on? Uh, while I'm not quite in Erickson's final stage of life yet, I can see his point. A few years ago, I had the chance to visit the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Leawood, Kansas. Now, the church was founded in 1992 by Adam Hamilton, who is still its pastor. He started the church with just his family, and now it's the largest United Methodist Church in the United States. While sitting in worship in the Church of the Resurrection, I discovered that Adam and I are the same age. Well, that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. It it really kind of made me feel some of that despair because at that point in time, I was serving three small rural churches in Alabama. Wonderful folks, but a long ways from the massive success of the Church of the Resurrection. Adam was living the life that I had planned for myself. He was living my dreams. You see, I was a church planner. I read all the books. I learned the principles. I went through church planners boot camp out in Colorado. I got the chance to start a church. It started with just my family in a vacant lot. But our largest attendance was only 98. We did some excellent work there, work that I'm very proud of. But in the long run, that church did not make it. It went through two pastors after me, and then it closed. It no longer exists. 
I've read the stories of lots of successful church planners like Adam Hamilton, Michael Slaughter, Rick Warren, and others. When I compare myself to them, I feel the despair that Erickson talked about. It can be discouraging when our plans don't work out, when our lives didn't turn out the way we had hoped. Plans can change, and it can derail us. Perhaps you've had that experience. Perhaps you're not quite where you thought you would be. Maybe you had bigger dreams for yourself than what has actually turned out. I suspect that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, is almost a bystander in the scriptures. He barely shows up at all. He has this dream in today's text to correct his plans. He's mentioned even less in Luke's account of the Christmas story, barely getting a, a, no, a nod. And he gets a brief mention at Jesus' bar mitzvah in Jerusalem when he and Mary lose Jesus at the temple. The only way he shows up there is that Mary speaks, and Mary says to Jesus that your father and I have been worried. That's his only mention. Joseph in the entire New Testament never speaks, not a word. This is the man who helped raise Jesus, and he never speaks in the scripture. He's kind of a bystander. Still, he plays a part that he never planned to play. He was a businessman betrothed to a girl from the community. They would settle down and have a community, make a respectful living in Nazareth. His plans were all set out. He had a good job. He had a good fiance. Everything was looking good, just like he had probably dreamed that it would. But then plans fall apart. He discovers Mary is pregnant. And he apparently doesn't believe her explanation, and who can blame him, really? As far as he's concerned, she has broken their covenant. He could subject her to public disgrace and save his reputation. He could have had her stoned to death and go on about his respectable life in Nazareth. But he decides to put her away quietly to protect her reputation. Then he has this wild dream. It's not an actual visit by an angel like Mary got. Joseph gets a dream. And in this dream, he sees an angel telling him an impossible thing. The child is of the Holy Spirit. And that he should go ahead and make Mary his wife. This is the end of life as he knows it. His reputation would be ruined in that culture. His business would be ruined because nobody wants to deal with a builder with that kind of background. In fact, when they had to go to his hometown of Bethlehem, even his family had no room for him. You see, when we tell that story, we make it out like it's all economics, like some innkeeper who is never mentioned in the scriptures is just troubled because his hotel is full. But no, in, in the first century, the custom was that you would stay with family, that your distant relatives would put you up, and yet Joseph goes to his hometown, to his family, and his family turns him and his pregnant wife away because they are a disgrace. This is not the life Joseph planned. His hopes were shattered, and there was plenty of reason for despair. But it was a choice. No one made Joseph play this role. He could have awoken from the dream and dismissed it as a result of stress or a bad diet. No one would blame him for ignoring the impossible message of a dream. He still could have divorced Mary, refusing the role of stepfather. He could have kept all his goals and dreams alive. He had the choice. 
Yet he chose to do the hard thing. He chose to play the role that God wrote for him. And we can only imagine the experience that he had raising the Christ child. He didn't get the life he wanted, but he got something much better. A life that honored God no matter the cost. No matter the stage in life, we can play the part that God wrote for us. Sometimes choosing the right thing will cause others to judge us, to laugh and point fingers. Maybe they'll even exclude us. It happened to Joseph. And at Forest Lake, we stand for justice, even when it's unpopular. That means we choose to do what is just and fair, even if people talk negatively about us. Maybe your life isn't exactly what you wanted it to be. You can still use the time that you have to respond to God's call. We can answer God's call even if it's different than what we'd hoped for. Johnny Erickson Tata's life took a tragic turn. As a beautiful, active teenage girl, she had a diving accident in the Chesapeake Bay. She broke her neck. She dove in water that was more shallow than she realized and broke her neck. The accident left her a quadriplegic. At one point, she longed to die and even attempted to take her life. During rehab, she learned to paint with her mouth. She became an author and a singer. And I remember one of her songs from my youth. It inspired me then, and it continues to inspire me now. Here are the words of her song. Now, understand, these are words written by a young woman who is paralyzed from the neck down whose life took this tragic turn, and here's what she had to say in response to the change in direction her life took. I play so many games, I have so many faces, I've run so many races that need not be run by me, I talk so many ways, I know so many stories, I sing so many ballads that need not be sung by me. O Lord, dear Lord, great author of the play, May I in wisdom learn the only part I need to play is the part that you wrote for me. The part that you wrote for me. You've given me the lines. You've shown the right direction. You gave me a reflection of what I need to say. So many want to lead, and so many times I follow. Lord, let me not be hollow like men in those other plays. O Lord, dear Lord, great author of the play, May I in wisdom learn the only part that I need to play is the part that you wrote for me. The part that you wrote for me. In spite of her circumstances, Johnny played the part that was written for her, the part that God wrote for her. Joseph played the part that God wrote for him. And I pray that in spite of any consequences, you and I will play the parts that God wrote for us. Amen.